Hey, everybody. Welcome. Tux Weekend starts now. Welcome, everybody. Um, this is a little nerve-wracking. This is the first time I've had... Well, I was going to say two people on the podcast, and then um, Becky just threw herself into the ring here last minute, so um, all of my plans are just shattered. Um, this is a, a really exciting podcast because actually I told these guys probably four or five months ago that I wanted to have them on, and then COVID hit, and we didn't know what in the world was going on, and so what a what a year it's been. It actually is perfect timing because I texted you guys the other day and said, congratulations on your first year. You're doing awesome. Really proud of, of what you've done. But I want to go back and kind of explain who y'all are. Um, I've got the owners of Southwind CrossFit on today. And uh, my wife and I, Jill, and uh, Josh Beaker were the former owners. And so these wonderful three people are who took over after us. Um, Mel Mayer, Becky Mayer, now Becky Fox, and Anthony Fox. So um, I'll let them kind of tell their own stories, but I wanted to start in 2013. And I'm going to tell my backstory in 2013 to kind of, I want you guys to see where you were in 2013. So March of 2013, this is how I remember things anyway, uh, my daughter Sperry was born, uh, 3-13-13. Her birthday is really easy to remember. That was also the day that uh, Pope, Pope Francis was elected because we were sitting in the hospital with nothing better to do, watching the news <laughs> and seeing the white smoke and learning of Pope Francis. And so um, that's, you know, burned into my memory. Um, but soon after we brought our, our new baby home, I was sanding, um, glue off of the floors in our new building, uh, which is now our old building, um, for the gym. And, uh, I remember Jill wanting to desperately come help, you know, fix up the new gym, but she had to stay home with the baby. And, um, so that was kind of our baptism and fire, I guess, of owning a gym, starting a family. And so, uh, <laughs> May of 2013, um, a few months later, we paid our first affiliate fees to become Southwind CrossFit. And so that's kind of where Southwind CrossFit started. Uh, before that location, we had, um, actually started with Charlie Saab, um, only, four or five blocks from where Southwind is currently located down a, a back alley, uh, which was a, a very tiny gym. And, um, so that was, maybe I'll tell that whole story later on because it, it might take a while, but, uh, it just sounds a little sketchy. <laughs> it just sounds a little sketchy moving from, you know, going, going into an alley to be part of a gym, but it, it works. I mean, well, in the handstand push-up spots, I saw the pictures too on the brick wall. <laughs> yeah, so I used to always say um, it was such a bad business decision at first. I mean, we didn't know any better, but um, you had to know the right alley to go down, the right door to knock on, and then the secret <laughs> password for us to even let you in. And it's no wonder. I mean, we still did okay there. We out outgrew that, that space. So that was pretty exciting. But uh, Anthony, why don't you start us off? What were you doing? Where were you in, in the year 2013? I think 2013, I was actually a 
Oh, let me think. That would have been a sophomore, junior year. Sophomore year of college, I believe. 2011. I just finished my sophomore year and was on my way to China, I believe, um, to do some mission work over there with some of the uh, missionaries that we'd worked with through um, the the on-campus organization I was working with, Christian Challenge, while being a student. So that's really the most exciting thing that had happened in 2013 for me. So what about fitness wise? What were you doing in 2013? Fitness wise, I was fitting as much pizza into my mouth as I could. Um, as a, (laughs) as a college student, I didn't really have a whole lot of extra, um, drive to go do a whole lot of exercise. I mean, I was still kind of bouncing between majors. I was looking at psychology. Um, I was looking at sociology, um, exercise science a little bit, but I was still pretty gun shy of it. And then my friend Ben actually pushed me to join the HHP program, which moved me forward with, you know, discovering a whole lot more of like, not just wanting to look at fitness or look at people working out, but a little bit more of like diving into why do people work out? How can we get them to work out better? And what all is entailed behind health and wellness in that aspect? Awesome. Uh, Mel? What were you doing in 2013? Ooh, 2013, I was uh, working at Hayes Med uh, in the ambulatory surgery department, and I was coaching, I was assistant uh, varsity volleyball coach. Where at? uh, For TMP. And I believe 2013 was my second year of coaching there. Um, And so most of my fitness would have been revolved around that. It would have been... We lived a lot in the gym. We played a lot of volleyball. We scrimmaged with the girls. Um, when season was over, then we'd move into club. So we were going to scrimmage there. And then during the summer, we'd get to uh, play more volleyball. So um, that's where, that's kind of where I was at in 2013. Cool. Becky? 2013, I was, I was, <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. So um, for me, activity-wise, I was doing swimming, volleyball, um, sports is mainly where I got my exercise from at the time. So, Very cool. This is um, something, if you guys listen to Kelton's podcast, I just posted it um, recently. Um, but we talked a lot about um, how we fit in age-wise and how weird it is to um, even, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little later, but uh, in coaching at the gym, you're coaching people who are, older than you, younger than you, your age, Mm -hmm. everything in between. Um, But even in just this little group here, um, Becky is the youngest by far. (laughs) You know, Mel's the oldest, and Anthony and I are kind of in between. Actually, I think we're the same age, give or take a couple months. So um, it's just kind of a cool dynamic on different experiences Mm -hmm. and and life lessons and things like that. So... um, We'll work backwards now. Um, no, not backwards. I want to start with, with Mel, because I think you were the first one. Were you at our gym before, Anthony? Yep. Yeah, I came I in so, in 2014. So how did you get into Southwind? So uh, in 2014, I was looking for a place to live. <laughs> and Maddie and I happened to, your sister, happened to play uh, a volleyball game together that day. We were on a rec team together. Um, and I just happened to mention to her, I was like, man, I've got to find a place to live in the next three weeks or something like that. And she was like, I've got a basement. <laughs> so 
we went right over there, checked out the basement. With basically within a week of that conversation, I was living with her, and um, she had asked if I wanted to come with her to the CrossFit gym, and I was like, "No, I'm a broken, you know, adult. I can't do this anymore." <laughs> Hold on, though. You were like a D1 athlete, though, right? Yes. Yeah, but that was pro- probably like something that actually surprises people, but made me nervous. You know, I had come came away from college sports pretty broken and bruised um and you know thinking that this is probably something i shouldn't do like i might get hurt etc you know this is just beyond my years right uh but she had me come and she was like well how about you just come watch me coach you know i just want you to see the place i want to see you know just i want you to see what i do um because she would come after a crossfit workout and she'd come play volleyball and she would just be destroyed and we'd always be like why are you doing these workouts? Like, you know you have to come play. <laughs> She'd come destroyed. Well, now I get it. Um, but so she wanted me to come and actually see what it looked like. And then I watched one, and I was like, oh, oh, I can do this. This is everything I did in college. Like, I can do this. Um, if, it, if it didn't do it in college, I did it in high school because I did a lot of Olympic lifting in high school, um, which kind of gave me a foot up on everybody else who kind of shows up and has never Olympic lifted. Um, and then... I jumped into my first class, which uh, my first workout was Filthy 50. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, which was good. Half of the moves I did at 50 reps, half the moves I did at 35 reps. So, you know, it was just, it was a great introduction, um, introductory workout because it, half of it had to be scaled and half of it was at full capacity. So it was kind of like, oh, I, I, I'm starting to understand this. I can see why a broken athlete can come in here and be able to work out and I you know died and and it felt so good I went home and I was tired and you know it wasn't just going home and being mentally tired from the job which is what I was used to it was like nice going home to be mentally and physically tired Um, it made sleeping easier it made a lot of those things um, almost better now that I had that other physical aspect added to it but, yeah, that's how I got introduced into CrossFit, um, and then it just flourished from there. After my first workout, I was pretty much hooked. So, For those who don't know, this is um, this is one of the first CrossFit podcasts I've done, and I've recently been like revamping this podcast to be more broad and inclusive of, of what I like to talk about because the first like 10 episodes were just about final expense insurance sales, which – Nobody wants to <laughs> talk about or hear about unless you're one of those agents. And even then, you don't really want to talk about it. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to to talk with you guys and to do more CrossFit podcasts in the future um, because it is such a big part of my life. And the story you just told is very indicative of how people are brought into the gym. I mean, very rarely does somebody walk in and be like, Hey, I heard your ad on the radio. I want to try this thing out. It's like 90% of bringing Mm -hmm. a friend in and and stuff like that. And then they get hooked for life. And Mm -hmm. then even the friend that brought them in may leave and that person's still coming. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I think Anthony's next. How did you get in to CrossFit? Oh, so that would actually be my old roommate, Ben Hausman, um, came to, I think it was the previous facility before you guys had renovated. He uh, talked to me about how <clears throat> it was just a really good workout. It was full body stuff. It wasn't just, you know, curls, push-ups, and, you know, lateral raises. It was actually more functional things. And so we went and we 
I dropped into the old gym a couple of times on Saturdays because that, that you know that's when you guys were running the free workouts. And then when I actually dove in head first to become a member was during 16.1 of the Open. Um, I dropped in on a Saturday, and I remember Josh being like, "Hey man, it's good to see you. Um, there's no workout today. We the, the Open came out, so if you want to do something in the corner on your own, that's fine. Just kind of keep out of the way." Um, and I was like, "Okay, I've heard about this." Um, let me just sit back and see what it is. So I actually sat down on the couch and I watched a heat. It was, uh, I think that year it was chest to bar pull-ups, overhead walking lunges at 95 for the men, 65 for the ladies, bar facing burpees, and then lunges back. Um, I watched Ryan actually do that workout. And when he was done, I've never seen that guy. Ryan and I went to high school together. He's like three years older than I am, but I've never seen him like that destroyed after a workout. <laughs> and so I walked up to him and I'm just like, Ryan, you look like crap. What happened? And he goes, well, man up and, and go. So I signed up online. I was like, let's just see what it looks like. I jumped on that next heat and I have never been in that much pain or like ability to push myself that hard ever um hold so on real quick my just to uh <laughs> underscore it, things it's a good pain that's what i want to like yeah. just yeah. for people you're scaring here yes. not like not like injury pain like no. as it's in a, i kick my own ass pain yeah, yeah it's more of a like a satisfying i haven't worked this hard to know like for a workout in a while i mean i I think a lot of people, they go and they'll sit on like a a treadmill, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they don't understand that adaptation to your body doesn't happen when you're really comfortable. Um, I think in order to, to make adaptations happen, whether it's, I want to lose weight, I want to gain muscle, you have to stress your body a little bit. Um, and so that's what I'm talking about. Like I had pushed myself to a level of, I am getting stronger. I know that after this, I'm going to be better. It's not going to be, you know, I'm completely wrecked. I have to go to the hospital. Um, with a shoulder injury, things like that. It's more so like I haven't pushed myself that hard ever. Do you remember any of the other workouts you did before 16.1? I remember like one, we did Deck of Death, and that was about it. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, not a really a good one for to let people know. Um, we also did, I do remember one other team workout we did. It was on a Saturday. Everybody kind of gathered a certain amount of weight, and then we had to run down. What was that? General Custer yeah. drive all the way to 13th around the canal and then back to the gym and bring all the weight back. Yeah, yeah. And you had to bring all the weight back. That was like one of the those are one of the f- couple of few workouts that actually stand out in my head. No, the reason I ask is because um, it's it's kind of hard to get people to sign up for the open, um, and maybe it's because they know how bad the workouts are. Mm-hmm. But for you to be like, okay, I'm going to sign up for like one of the hardest things ever, and then just kind of wing it is, I mean, it takes some balls to do that. I mean, it was it was different. I knew that it was something I wanted to try. I'd heard of the Open. I had looked at as much CrossFit stuff as I could. Because at that time, I was a health and human performance major. I was looking at how do we get people to exercise at intensities that aren't going to, you know, that's actually going to make a difference. Um, and I did see, I followed the methodology a little bit. I looked more, delved more into, you know, CrossFit.com. Um, and I started to learn more and more. And so I decided, well, let's dive in and see what happens. Um, and I don't think that, I think that I tell people, you know, you just got to, you've got to try it, whether it's, you know, going in head first as hard as you can, or even just pulling it back. So you're not completely destroyed after the workout. Like that's okay. You can still get a good workout and push yourself, but just know where that line is of, I can keep going or I have to stop. I think people far too often stop before they actually make it, make a huge change or or set themselves up for a way that's going to 
going to continue to move forward. Well, I, actually, I was going to interrupt. I think going back to when you said, um, you know, like you were in the worst pain of your life after that workout. <laughs> yeah, probably not the greatest no, idea. No, actually, it's perfect because I think what it is, what people, CrossFit, what I love about it is it took this situation of trying to work out in a gym and I, you know, you walk around and you try to come up with these complex strength programs and you try to come up with these complex cardio programs and things like that, depending on what, you know, you're going for. And you end up spending an hour, two hours, three hours trying to work out and really a lot of times not getting anything done. And then you walk into a CrossFit gym and someone writes on the board and they're like, you're going to do three burpees, two pull-ups and one push-up for five minutes. And you're like, uh, duh, I can do that. Like, that's not going to be bad. And you're like, okay, but do it for five minutes straight. Sure. No problem. You're like, those numbers aren't scary. The, the movements aren't that nerve wracking and you will give me a different movement if not, but you're like three, two, one for five minutes. How hard can this be? And then you do it for five minutes and you're on the ground looking at the sky, like, Oh my God, what did I just do? The simplicity of the workout and then you just wanting to hit another round and another round, like that's what's really cool about CrossFit. That's where that pain comes from. But you almost miss it if there's not a group. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I can remember this story vividly. This was way back when Joe was at the HRC. And um, a girl came in and, and she's like, you know, what should I do today? And Jill just kind of pointed to the whiteboard, like there's a workout written up mm-hmm. there and it was a CrossFit workout. And, uh, she's like, okay, I'll try that out. And I'm pretty sure it was Fran. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> However, she loads her bar up. She does 21 thrusters and then she goes and gets a drink and then she goes and does 21 pull-ups <laughs> and then she walks around the gym and then she like picks up her bar and does 15 and like, 15 or 20 minutes later, she's like, Hey, thanks, Jill. That was a good workout, but I didn't even sweat today. I'll see you tomorrow. And like leaves. And Jill's like, I didn't do it right. I (laughs) I missed a lot of my instruction there, but, um, yeah, you definitely didn't understand what happens, but that never happens in a group at a CrossFit gym because there's specific, you know, here's how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to go together. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so funny to see that, that new person to show up on the free Saturday. And then we, they're like, I can go now. Right. And we're Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, hold on. Not yet. Not yet. But, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Becky, how'd you come to Southwind? How'd you get started? I mean, I know your sister's sitting right next to you, but I I came actually about the time Mel did. So Mel Mm -hmm. started, she got to know the gym a little bit more. Um, I have a very odd, um, coming to a CrossFit gym situation. So I was fighting with an eating disorder at the time and I had loved exercise prior, you know, prior to that point. Um, and at that point it had been taken away from me. So a huge part of everything I liked, which was going hard, doing high intensity interval training, um, I hadn't been able to do. So Mel said, Hey, I've got this gym. I can get mom and dad convinced if you do one workout. We'll, uh, we'll let you come, give it, give it a go, give it a try. And I fell in love with it the second I came to. Um, I had missed that side of working out. And my first workout was Dirty Karen, if that tells anybody anything. So <laughs> like none of us have a very good experience with our first workout. <laughs> no. We get the tough ones. Yes. Well, 
I think everybody's I first mean, crossover got stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all like really notable. Yeah, those are some notables though, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was, it, I mean, everyone else was done in about five minutes. I think it took me about 10 and I had a six pound ball. So I definitely started from the ground up That's with right. CrossFit. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was, you know, my experience into it. And um, I think the biggest thing for me was the community. That was so scary to me at first. Um, I wasn't ready to really socialize that much. I was used to walking into a gym, not seeing people, not talking or having conversation. And all of a sudden, like, hey, how was your day? What are you doing? Like, how's school? And I was like, who are you? Like, (laughs) why are we talking right now? Um, But then I grew to love that. And that's what I look forward to every day. So just having the interactions and that it didn't matter, you know, what job everybody had. And again, like you were saying, the age thing. Um, all of us were, I was way younger than most people in the gym, but I could talk to any of them and it didn't make a difference. So that's, um, if, if anybody heard my intro introducing these people and it sounded rude that I was mad that Becky was here, it's not, I wanted her to have her own episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. because she has such an awesome story Mm -hmm. and we'll see how this goes. She might get her own episode anyway, but, (laughs) um, what you said too about, being able to relate to any CrossFitter, something that us CrossFitters know is that's a, a universal thing. We can go to Iceland. We mm-hmm. can go to mm-hmm. China. Absolutely. And yeah. we may not speak the same language, but we definitely speak the language of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And we can give high fives and we can do wall balls and, and it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's My first workout was uh, Fight Gone Bad. I've never been in a fight in my life. Um, I used to do Taekwondo all the time, but after the first round, I was asking my buddies that we were doing this together. I'm like, why is this called fight gone bad? And they're like, Oh, you'll see. (laughs) Just wait. We got two more rounds, you know, or four more. Is it five rounds? I think it's five rounds. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. We've got a few more rounds. I puked (sighs) on that workout. And so it was like, I, I get it. I see what's what's happening here. So, oddly enough, that's one I've never done in the yeah four or five years of doing CrossFit. I've never done Fight Gone Bad. So Saturday workout this weekend. <laughs> well, and I'd actually like to put a shout out um, again. Your sister was very pivotal. Uh, Maddie Quimby was very pivotal with our CrossFit experience, and actually, she was the one that suggested um, bringing Becky into the gym. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to get to talk with her and explain how we were kind of, um, at wit's end on what to do with Becky at this point. And, uh, she, um, you know, she'd hit a really low point where, yeah, the doctors took away exercise, which in my head made no sense. You know, how do you get somebody healthy if you don't exercise, you know, it, it, and nothing was just really adding up to me. And, um, she, so I told her that I just kind of vented and, she was the one that suggested, she goes, I think I have a safe place where we could get her possibly back on track, you know? And so I just, that's how Becky's journey really started. This is a perfect segue. We're going to talk about that here. Um, but isn't CrossFit dangerous? Cause I have that in my notes. I'm going to ask you about this, <laughs> but, um, also we're going to talk about COVID later too, and how frustrating it is to see, um, Solid immune systems, solid, healthy habits are very important, and they close gyms down. Just (laughs) makes me angry. But um, back to the eating disorder thing. Um, 
why, how do I phrase this question? Here's, here's how I'm going to look at it. I used to be the owner of a CrossFit gym, and I was so excited that I had daughters to grow up around CrossFit. And people, if, if somebody heard me say that, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the methodology. I love that it doesn't matter what you look like mm-hmm. in the box. It matters what your score was. And a lot of times, the girls who don't look the greatest are kicking everyone's mm-hmm. butt on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I mean, I would agree. That's something that even as, you know, we got married this year and we've talked about the future with kids. I've said the same thing that I'm so glad we found CrossFit and the kind of community it brings because to think if you did raise children in that world where, I mean, we have kids CrossFit now and they all cheer each other on for the workouts and we have the ADP group. We just ran a first set through that for our high schoolers and the girls at first were like, why are we doing pull-ups? This is so weird. And by the end, they were so proud that they could do a pull-up or two. We are and mm-hmm. so just yeah. to see that even at that young age, they're gaining confidence early. Um, and they know to cheer each other on. They're learning to get along and not focus on what their body looks like. It's what they're doing. Yeah. So. When I walked into the gym for the first time, uh, I mean, you hear it over and over. It's such a cliche. But the first thing I noticed was just no mirrors on the wall. And that became a really big Thing when Becky, you know, became involved, but even prior to that, um, it was so cool to be in this environment where people, you know, you weren't being judged by how you looked. It strictly was how well you did in the workout or what you changed in the workout or that you made a really smart decision and you scaled it. And the person beside you was like, Hey, good job. You know, like good job for scaling that. And then you got that many more rounds than me and things like that. There was, it took all of aesthetics out and that was definitely something i was looking for it made your goals weren't about now well how do i get this six pack or how do i make my arms look like this or how do i you know how do i look like jane doe over there i want to look like her what does it take it just strictly became like how do i get faster at doing this how do i get how do i make it so that i can do more in a row how can i make it so that i can run farther i can run faster and aesthetics were gone. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, the aesthetics that I had been looking for were coming, and I wasn't even trying. You know, um, yeah, so, I think yeah. that's the beauty of CrossFit, too, is that, you know, for me, I was a goal-oriented person. So with CrossFit, you never get bored. There's yeah. always something to work towards. So you do 20 unbroken wall balls, great. I want to shoot for 25. Um, or, you know, I have my bar muscle-ups, and I want to work on getting ring. And so it does take away from that, like, physique side of just focusing on that. And you have so many goals lifelong, even when you get older. Um, your legends have stuff they look to do all the time. So yeah. yeah, and I think that even, I mean, we're seeing that across the entire board in the gym. I mean, like you said, with the kids, they're cheering each other on. They're getting stronger. Our athletic development program was getting stronger. Our members are getting stronger. But a lot of what I, I love about CrossFit, and this kind of goes with what you were saying about daughters, is it's it kind of levels that playing field as far as I don't have to call a buddy to come help me move a piece of furniture. I can have Becky, yeah. who's standing right there, say, hey, pick up that end. We're going to move this couch. You know, I think mm-hmm. we saw that a lot as we moved Maddie and Ryan to the new place. The girls are just as strong as the guys, especially in our gym. I think sometimes 
our girls are a lot stronger than our guys and they're able to just grab and go and it, it completely changes that mindset of guys are supposed to be the strong ones all the time which is so opposite from that globo style you walk into a globo gym and even now being someone who's very comfortable with fitness i walk into those larger fitness facilities and as a girl i don't feel as welcome to be around the weight equipment in fact mm. it it's like it's my duty to go to the cardio equipment and that's my place yeah that's what i, I was gonna say like i i wonder i've it's been forever that I've been to a Globo gym. I don't even know, but I could just imagine a couple or even a husband and wife, they mm -hmm. walk in the door and she heads over to the cardio equipment. He heads over to the free weights and mm -hmm. then they meet up when they go home. Oh That's not how it works mm -hmm. in the box, right? No. We're doing the same workout. My wife beats me all the time and I'd love <laughs> to watch it happen, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I don't know. I don't have, I'm not very competitive. It's one of the things I wish I could change about myself, but I love watching other people succeed, mm -hmm. especially my wife. Anthony, would you like working out with Becky? <laughs> yes and no. I bet she kicks your butt all the time. I mean, I think that, yeah. I, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a joy and like my worst nightmare when my wife and I work out in the same class because I know that if, if I want to get ahead of her on a movement, I have to push that much harder. And I know that I'm pushing my red line as far as how hard I can go. And she's at like 70% and I'm barely beating her. So it's not as fun. Um, there are a couple of times where I'll get her, but not, not, not very often. Where does that come from, Becky? Where we, we watch you push hard and then we're like, Oh, Hey, um, we're going to do that workout again two weeks from now. And then we watch you beat your score again. And we're like, how is she able to do that? Or I remember, Anthony telling me about, um, was it Grace or Isabel or something? I think we did it with both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You put your old score minus five seconds yeah. on the clock, like three, <laughs> two, one, beat it. And then you beat it. Like, who is this girl? I just think for me, I think I use the gym as that time for like, your day's crazy. Everyone has those crazy days, right? And for me, I just love letting that stress out, working as hard as I can. Um, it's always nice to, to beat yourself every day though. You know, like it's great to, you know, work out with groups cause you have people to go against every day too, um, with friendly competition, Right. but it's always nice to know too, like this is what I've done before and I want to do better, you know, and just to be able to, um, again, have those benchmarks of, okay, I did this last time. I'm going to do even better this time. But speaking of working with, working out with a spouse, um, <laughs> I think that the cool thing about that is you have an accountability partner too, where he is better at gymnastics or, um, if it is a running workout, he will beat me and I know I have to work that much harder. Would you put a barbell in her hands? <laughs> Game over. And so it naturally sets things that we can work harder on too. So, um, I know that as much as I don't want to do a bar muscle up and running workout with him, if I do, I will probably push harder and I'll probably get better. So I think it's kind of a funny thing. If you walk up to any random married couple and you're just like three, two, one compliment your, your spouse, they'd probably be like stuttering over their words or something. But with us, it's like, <laughs> Oh dude, you should see her clean and jerk. I was going to say her snatch, but that was just like <laughs> a really bad joke. So, um, cause then the stranger would really look at you weird, but like, it's so easy to compliment each other on our, on our fitness movements. Mm -hmm. But anyway, just a little side note there. Well, I think it gives you more to talk about like as, as a married couple. I mean, I don't know. We're still very 
early on in our marriage, but we can always talk about, you know, families, up, like upcoming family events or things like that. But it gives us something else to talk about and converse about throughout the day. So I wanted to, to get into the, the COVID debacle, but you kind of teed it up for me. Um, this year has been crazy, um, mm-hmm. but we're going to rewind to 2019. Uh, you guys got engaged. Um, you kind of met at the gym, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Yep. So let's tell that whole backstory of kind of how you met, how you started dating, how that blossomed into a, um, uh, a marriage, really. Um, and then... Uh, Mel's engaged too, so we've got to hear that backstory too. And I mean, we might be here for another two or three hours. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm gonna see if I can remember everything here. But the main thing I remember was walking into the gym, and then we're doing. I don't remember what workout it was, but I remember seeing Becky in the same class, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna see if I can at least. I've heard about her. I'm gonna see if I can at least keep up with her." <laughs> And I did great for the first, like, two rounds. I know it involved running, box jumps, and, like, I think it was hang power cleans or something. And I held, held on pretty well. And then I don't know what happened. I hit a wall, and she did not. And then ever since that day, like, it was every time I came to the gym and she was in the same class, I wanted to try to keep up with her. And then I think for a while there it was just back and forth bantering in a workout. And then I don't... I don't remember exactly how everything else went. (laughs) So I, too, remember that first workout. (laughs) And um, I remember Mel was by me, and we saw Anthony come in, and he had a a, other um, gym facility shirt on. And uh, I just remember looking at her and being like, he has no idea what's coming for him. (laughs) I did not. Uh, Because you were warming up, and you were going to come out pretty hot of the gates. So... Um, I remember the fittest box was still happening at the time and I am just a super shy person as it is. Hang on. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Fittest box was a competition that they ran across Kansas and they kind of pitted the uh, different CrossFit gyms against each other in a competition to see who was the fittest box. And we won, I think two years in a row, row. or maybe it was the only two years they ran it, but they may have ran it for three years, but we didn't participate the first year. Mm -hmm. Then we won the next two Mm -hmm. or something like that. But anyway, that's what fittest box was. So go ahead. Yeah. So I didn't want to ask for a partner to do that workout because, again, I'm shy. And I needed someone to do bar muscle-ups. The rest was easy for me, and I didn't mind doing that. But I think I had 10 bar muscle-ups in it. And uh, through Mel, I think, is how it ended up getting asked. But Anthony ended up doing it with me. And then after we worked out really hard, finished this workout, um, Maddie invited us over to her house. For a fire pit. For no, for a movie. Oh, okay. Yep. And um, <laughs> the movie was supposed to be a girls' night, and then uh, she also decided to tell me, leaving the doors, that she invited Anthony to come watch Magic Mike Two with us. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, in my defense, I also like Maddie had invited me at the gym, and she she voiced it this way she goes hey we're gonna watch a movie it's gonna be just the girls and john ryan's out of town doing stuff for the air force would you mind coming and keeping john company so it's, he's not the only guy there and I was like, yeah sure i can do that that's perfectly fine she didn't mention what movie it was or that john would not be there 
But anywho, that's kind of how it started, and from there we kind of did. We bantered on workouts, um, got to know each other better. We did barbell club for the Olympic lifting, and we both did it that year. Mm-hmm. And from there just got to get to know each other better. So It's, it's always interesting to see. I mean, um, I think we're going to talk about Coach Glassman later on, um, the founder the inventor of CrossFit. Um, but he has a quote about the, the community of CrossFit in is it's a family. It's the people that you surround yourself with, the people you fall in love with. Um, you know, and it's true. It's, um, you know, the guy has a ton of really good quotes. Um, he had one bad one, which totally we'll probably talk about here a little bit later, but, um, a lot of, what he said and and what he knew knew to be true still holds true today and and it's pretty cool so mel what's your story you're engaged and um uh, that's exciting <laughs> yeah Congratulations. I, I am engaged thank you it, it actually really doesn't so much uh well not so much pertain around crossfit i guess kind of a little but um yeah, I started seeing a guy in December, and it was going to be this big long-distance relationship, and then COVID hit, and basically he got to stay in Hayes, and we spent the next 150, 160 days straight together, uh, which lit this huge fire under our relationship belt, uh, <laughs> and uh, turned into a nice... You knew him before this, though, right? I did. I went to school with him in high school. Um but, I mean, that, that was the extent of it. And then he uh, reached out to me uh, through a, uh, via message uh, just to meet up. And we met up and we talked. And we got kicked out of the place, actually, because we talked for so long. Um, and, you know, we just hit things off right. Um, it's kind of funny because his dad is um, our lawyer. Yeah. And he's the one that we met, you know, we met his dad first, and then his dad suggested that maybe he reach out and talk to me. So <laughs> that's where the CrossFit link would be in Shout there. Shout out to him. <laughs> but uh, it was really nice. And then, you know, it was great to have a partner in crime um, through the whole pandemic. I mean, talk about a way to be in some very intense waters together um, with a very new relationship. Um, but then to get spend every single day together and get through it, um, you know, just really made us really close. So you said you get, you guys are really good at this. You're teeing me up for the perfect, like next question. <laughs> so, um, August was August of 2019 was the kind of switch over date where you guys took over for us. And, and Jill and I took off to Colorado to celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary. And, um, so that's why that, that date will always stick in my head and, and know when, uh, when you guys started doing awesome things here. Um, but August of 2019, you guys started running the place and, and went through the winter and then, uh, 2020 came and, and everybody was excited, you know, the, mm-hmm. the year 2020, it's going to be great. And wouldn't you know it, um, actually, we talked about Sperry earlier, March 13th was the day. Um, again, for some reason, that day is, it, this year is Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. Yeah, was when they shut everything, shut everything down, down, on us yeah. here anyway, mm-hmm. in 
middle America. Um, New York and California had been shut down for a while at that point. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about this pandemic and how it's affected things around here. Um, and what do you see in the future? Yeah, I, I would say the one thing that, you know, yeah, 2020, come February of t- 2020, um, we were we were on an upper climb. We, were on an upper climb. we had finally hit um, a membership level um, and sales and et cetera that allowed us to nearly break even. And that was kind of our goal. We were just trying to get to that point where we're breaking even. And then, you know, projections showed that possibly in March was going to be our first month of profit. And we were just tooting our horn a little bit too soon, obviously, because lo and behold, this pandemic came out. Um, and then March, you know, we got crushed, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah, Yeah, I think we went from, we were upwards of like 150 members, and then we had quite a few leave, but quite a few actually stuck with us. And as far Mm -hmm. as like, I know for a lot of, I feel bad for a lot of other businesses that are out there and a lot of other gyms, too, who did shut down and never reopened their doors. Um, We have a very, we're very lucky to have loyal members that wanted to stick through and, and and support us and so even during that time we worked a lot harder to you know make sure they were getting workouts they could do at home Mm -hmm. we even though we had to close our doors we checked out equipment to our members we told them you know we're going to find a way to put workouts on sugar wads you can at least still keep the community aspect keep you know working out at home um and they did i mean we ran a little we called it the corona open which you know (laughs) we we it was just that whole time where people would put in their scores. We had a nutrition component, things like that, where they could get points. But during that time also, I think we worked probably the hardest at building in more processes for the business. Correct. I think that when we when we bought in August, yeah, we hit the ground running. We're like, let's get this. Let's just keep moving, keep see what we can get it to become. And then with that, it's also very hard to work on the policies and the other things that we wanted to, to implement. Um, for ourselves and to help try to create a, a structure that we could thrive in. Um, but when COVID shut us down, like we had that opportunity, we didn't have to focus as much on, you know, coaching the classes while also trying to do this other stuff and getting distracted with emails. It was much more so we can sit and work on this. And I think in the end, yeah, we came out with less memberships and we're going to have to rebuild, but that'll come back. But I think that we came out better in the end yeah, we've had happened. so many positives. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to, if you want to only look at it as money, yeah, then fine. But hit, yeah. take money aside, everything else was truly a positive in the end. Mm-hmm. One, I think it really reinstated the importance of the group aspect um, because we worked so hard to try to keep um, our members a just to get through the pandemic and get through it healthy because depression was at an all-time high. I've yeah. never seen the world act like this, but even for myself. Um, and so, you know, we made everything a challenge to keep people to do. So we did a nutrition challenge. We did that Corona Open. We made sure people were checking in on each other's scores, um, posting pictures, just anything so that it it, it um, kept pushing people. Um, because if we were just going to post the workouts and just say, hey, put your wad up, you know, no worries – we were going to lose people and we could see that very early on. So implementing those challenges, learning how to do an online platform um, and shout out to my brother, Bill Mayer for that. That was, um, uh, that was a good um, painful step that we needed to take anyways. Mm -hmm. And to be forced into it was a good thing. 
So like it's just it was positive after positive. You know, learning how to implement an online um, format, having the opportunity to fix up some of the policies and procedures um, when we were shut down was really nice. Um, oh, and then on top of it, you know, when we were almost able to open up. Our members were so excited. All the equipment got turned in, and then we got shut down again, kind of. We, we weren't allowed to coach. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, one thing we always have to compete with is, is online platforms. Um, people just saying, oh, I can do this at home. And you know, cheers to anyone who can do that at that home and have the motivation. It was a big this. fear going into this, yeah, into the business in general. And then um, COVID happens. And what we learned very early on was when the open gym, we just thought people wanted to be back in the gym. And then all of a sudden when they found out we can't coach them, people were, they were very upset. And in fact, they almost didn't come in those two weeks because they're like, I need someone to push me and I need a person beside me to be working out with me. Um, and for the, and that just made us feel so good again. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay. You know, yes, you can work out at home, and yes, you can buy all the fancy equipment in the world, and you can buy the most expensive online programming. And and if you have the motivation to get through it, that's great. But I know I'm not that person. And even if you do it, are you doing it at the best level and intensity, and are you moving the best that you can? Or are you going to do it better when you have a group of people to kind of compete with and to keep you moving? Mm-hmm. And that's what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I can I can even speak to that in just how much we've missed you know, being in here and, and, um, I know Joe and I had talked about it like, Oh, Hey, we should warn them that summer's slow anyway, even without mm-hmm. a yeah. pandemic, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, exactly. even without the government, you know, forcing you to do certain things, you know, the summer is lean. And so it's, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a learning curve and, and, uh, it's cool to, to see on the other side. But then when you're, suffering through a pandemic and the government's putting rules on you and then the founder and CEO Greg Glassman <laughs> of your beloved CrossFit makes a rude remark online I don't think I need to go I don't think I need to explain it if yeah. those people listening who don't know what's going on you can google it I'm sure you can find out what he said or how he said it but how does it feel to be shot in the foot by your yeah. own company that you're behind? Oh, I think that uh, initially there was, I think we saw it in the community, not us necessarily in Hayes, but in the CrossFit community, it was a trickle effect of that happened. And then it was a knee jerk reaction of a lot of gyms deaffiliating um, or dropping their affiliation with CrossFit. I think within six hours, there was one who had completely painted over their, the word CrossFit in their gym. Um, I think for us, we did, and Mel was really good about this, like telling us to take a second, wait. Um, I think far too many people reacted way too quickly to the to what had happened without whole context of what may have been said, whether he's what he said was wrong or like it was whatever wrong. he said. It was hundred percent yeah, wrong. No. <laughs> I think up. that what happened was there was a big knee jerk reaction for everybody to drop this thing that we all love and believe in, and not understanding necessarily that this we're all here for a reason and i think by us taking our time i think that really helps set us on the right course well i can say even through the pandemic there were times where uh, times were very depressing and just very scary and probably the most emotional i've ever been in my life but that day was 
probably the lowest of the lowest of all the days. It was like, it felt like everything we had worked for just got stripped away. Um, and everything that we stood for was gone. And this community that was all about inclusivity and, um, you know, throwing sexism out of the door, taking racism out of the door, and all of these, you know, gender roles and et cetera, throwing all that out and just being a person in a gym and who can work the hardest, it it blew that whole concept up for about a second. And I think everything just imploded. I think that what have we learned is that one person is not CrossFit, yeah. you know, um, that there was this massive community already ready to um, keep the methodology going and to represent it the, the right way. Um, but that was, that day was one of the lowest days for us. And, and it did, you know, to this day, it's, it is something that we've had to debate multiple times on deciding, you know, how we stand with this. What I'll say is the steps that they've been taking, um, were, and, and also sitting in multiple affiliate hall meetings, um, listening, um, to some of the behind the scenes and getting to hear it from like you know, private Zoom meetings and getting to hear exactly what was going on and et cetera, and then hearing how they were going about um, what their decision was going to be on affiliating or not. I, I, I like that we were able to take the time to listen to all of that before we did um, make a, a huge decision on, on our affiliation or not um, because very quickly it was all about saving that. And I think it's, it, you know, it's still going to hurt us to this day because the world then was introduced to this. CrossFit this already had this stigma. Now you on. have CrossFit yeah. stigma and now scandal. Um, but the methodology just means so much to us mm-hmm. that we couldn't walk away from it. Yeah. And the community means too much to How us. How do you feel about Eric, the new, the new CEO? Um, or do you not know much, enough about him to say... Up, well, you know, personally, um, right from the beginning, he opened up his email to people. And we, we took the time to send an email to him and never in a thousand years thought we'd get a reply back. And it was a long email. <laughs> he replied to the whole thing. Wow. He could not answer everything because he was in the process of taking over the business. But he acknowledged every single question, answered where he could, and said, I promise you these answers will be coming out. But I don't know how he could do that. And I know after day one, he had received like 15,000 emails yeah, or something like that. And he did. He, he answered them all the communication in CrossFit to affiliate owners has increased double time. Yeah. And so that was a big thing. I think there's still a lot to be seen, but you know, you want to give him the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, pave this new path, uh, again, before just saying we're going to de-affiliate, um, Because I'm not affiliated to Greg Glassman. I'm affiliated with CrossFit at the yeah. end of the day, and that's kind of what we had to tell ourselves. Yeah, it's it was interesting to to kind of watch from the outside, I guess. But uh, did you see the or hear the interview with uh, Dave Dave Castro with with Eric? No, um, I think it was on the Forging Elite Fitness podcast. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was just funny because. You know, he got called out online. Uh, they're like, you they, you appointed him as CEO? And he goes, yeah, I'm Mexican-American, a, a minority. 
That's their first thing is they they put a, a minority a CEO mm-hmm. and why why can't anybody notice that? And he's just super frustrated. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely felt that too from that interview. So yeah, I it, it looks it looks exciting. And of course my first thought was my dad and I put this massive sign on the front of this building has <laughs> right. CrossFit on it. And oh man the sign looks great, but who knows what's going to happen with it. So I'm glad that, uh, some of the, that's getting fixed, but also let's talk a little bit about where we're located. Cause mm-hmm. I think we're really blessed, mm-hmm. um, to not live on a coast Yeah, and not just, not just because we have clean air, but just because, you know, a lot, like you said, you're really smart in just saying like, let's wait it out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of those, the coastal regions, the bigger cities are just knee jerk reactions of, of this is bad. And we gotta, we gotta get out. Yeah. And I think that even kind of going back to the Eric thing, I think something we appreciate is that he was an affiliate owner at a time when like CrossFit wasn't new it had been around for a little mm-hmm. while i believe and so we kind of had to build it differently than greg glassman even though glassman kind of founded that i think that's one thing i do like about eric is that he has a little bit more of experience in that area now as far as where we live i think rural kansas it's been it's been different that's for sure i don't yeah uh it, the education level when it comes to crossfit is strictly espn which is always our biggest battle out here the games people think that we're in here just flipping tires and i don't know pushing trash cans yeah down the street doing a million i don't know crazy things and it's like no that's not what we're about um yes the sport is an aspect of it but actually we're about longevity functionality um and etc and so, yeah, being in rural Kansas, that, that, that plays a, a part because you, you ask yourself all the time, if we just called ourselves a fitness facility, would we get more members? And I think the answer to that is probably yes. Um, and if we ever felt like we needed to de-affiliate, it, that, we're not against that. But the methodology at the end of the day is that we're going to be following CrossFit. And I still think that at the end, that's why we stuck um, with it because it was like almost a fake facade. Like, yeah, we're going to be Southwind, whatever it would have been, you know. And but it would have been CrossFit methodology. Yeah, I yeah like you walk in and you're still going to see a pull-up rig, bumper plates, Concept Two rowers. You're going to be able to say, "Oh, you do CrossFit." Yeah. Well, I think we we ran across that in the past. Uh, at competitions with these these no name gyms that don't say CrossFit, but they're at a CrossFit competition, mm-hmm. and we know what they do back in their box, and mm-hmm. we're like, "Are you, you guys are lying?" Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I knew that that always kind of frustrated me too. Is you guys are doing CrossFit? Why don't you pony just up the dough? You know, yeah. just yeah. go ahead and, and pay the fee. Well, and I think that's where Eric. Hopefully, you know, I will say that um, paying that fee is substantial. Um, And I think that the future shows that paying, you know, having an affiliate, there's going to be more to being an affiliate being an affiliate than in the past yeah and i think you know he is a ceo but was just prior to that was owning his own um facility a brand new facility had bought a, a big new location in boulder 
you know, I think it was like 10,000 square feet on prime real, um, real estate that, you know, crashed. And, um, he can truly understand what we were feeling, this just massive financial burden. And, um, you can see that he wants to find a way to help affiliates with that. Like what is the support system with that, et cetera. Um, and I, again, hopefully that's kind of what we see with the future with this. Yeah. And even, but he, at least if someone finally could feel our pain, it, Greg at that point, just, it was almost like he was too far to too removed. removed. Um, you couldn't, he, he, he had no, it felt like there was no empathy towards affiliates or CrossFit gyms, et cetera. You know, it's his way or the highway. And that's not really how any leader should be. Um, and so to have someone that can really feel your shoe, like he's walked in your shoes, that feels really good. And even what we've seen with a lot of the people who walk in our door, even though they see CrossFit on the building, a lot of it came, comes down to, in our area, again, people do see just the CrossFit games. They hear about sanctionals, things like that. They hear about the big shiny part. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is going back to, re-educating them on what CrossFit is. It's not, we're not the games. Yeah, you you walk into our gym, you're going to see some amazing people doing some amazing things, but they've had to work really hard to get there. You know, it's not like everybody that walks into a CrossFit, it's not like everybody that's in a CrossFit gym is a games athlete. We have people from all walks of life. I mean, some of our legends are in their 60s or 70s and they're still doing CrossFit. So I think a big part of, moving forward with this whole thing is, is has been re-educating everybody and even our own members. Sometimes I think forget that we are not necessarily catering just to games athletes. We are catering to everybody to live a healthier, longer lifestyle. Do you feel, um, and I know, uh, Josh and I used to argue about this all the time, but where we live has a big argument with the methodology. Yes. And I mean, you, you run into all sorts of people and you're like, hey, come to Saturday class. It's free. Come try it out. And they're like, I just buck bales all day and I'm six beers deep and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to work out. Yeah. And I'm like, bucking bales is hard. I've done it. I know. But guess what? If you come to the gym, bucking bales is going to be a lot easier next week. I promise you that. So, Well, not only that, but talk like, let's dive into that health aspect. You know, we have a lot of manual laborers out here, and and I can only, I mean, that is hard it stuff. Is hard. It's long Being, hours. Yeah, any, I'm not even going to specify types of manual labor because it's all hard. But you're not getting your heart rate at the level you need to for true um, cardiovascular change. Exactly. Well, and or just health for your cardiovascular health. You know, you have to hit your heart rate's got to get above 135, and you need to maintain that to truly. Um, help yourself cardiovascularly for the rest of your life and you're not doing that manual labor you're you're straining all day you're you're stressing your muscles all day but you're not pushing yourself to an intensity level that's actually you know dilating your vessels and working your heart um and that is where the gym becomes really important because yeah you're burning calories doing your manual labor all day and i get that but now we really need to stress your cardio system like you need to come to us so we can stress it um, in a healthy, safe way. Yeah. I don't know if that was the best way to say that, but. But I mean, the body does adapt to the demands that it's it's been exposed to, and so if you don't ever expose it to a heart rate above 120, yeah. it's not going to know how to operate. If you have to all of a sudden sprint across a field or you know mm-hmm. run out into traffic to try to pull a kid out of the tra- out of the street, like it's not going to necessarily know how to do that. And I've talked to 
several like first responders in in other conversations about you know it's one thing that's very very dangerous for them is i think they've called it adrenaline dump mm-hmm. where they're sitting in a car let's say it's a police officer sitting in a car all day all of a sudden he's got to get in a foot race mm-hmm. he can't keep up with that you know if he's sitting in a car 12 hours a day i think that um if we're not exposing you to that kind of a demand even in a a manual labor setting um you're not your body's not going to know what to do and it's not going to be the best for you well, and even aside from manual labor, like being where we are, it's not highly populated like a coast. And I think a lot of jobs then they overwork some of their workers because they've limited staff. And so they're working longer hours. They're working overtime. All of a sudden they're really tired when they go home, but they may have been at a desk all day too. So when you're in that situation where, you know, your brain feels like it's worked all day and you're exhausted, but your body hasn't even gotten to work yet they still need to, they would get the benefit from working out, getting their body moving. And that's hard to do and decide, Hey, I want to go to the gym after you've worked a long day at a desk, Mm -hmm. just your brain's fried, stressed, stuff like that. But then ask yourself how many of those people who are just mentally exhausted actually don't sleep well. And it's because mentally they're exhausted, but physically they didn't push that body to that level where it could actually yeah well and i know this is so true for me that i'm i'm mentally exhausted and then i go force myself to work out and it's like that second win and it's just so backward that you're like i just worked my ass off at a workout i'm covered in sweat i'm so tired and i feel better yeah there's no way like mm-hmm. that that doesn't compute yeah. um you look like you were going to say something. No. Well, okay. and then um, I would also say being in rural versus coast, you know, um, there's a difference in, you know, we, we, we count our pennies out here. Uh, we don't have the same financial opportunities, uh, truly. Yeah, um, and, and 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 education level that goes with that. And, you know, out here, it's not always preached that health is the most important. It, it really isn't. Um, and so people really actually talk bad about people who say, I'm going to use my money to keep my health good so that I can be around for my kids as long as possible so that I can move and play with my kids as long as possible. Um, you know, there's a lot of judgment that goes towards that. And it's crazy to think you'll spend a hundred dollars on a weekend going out to eat or yeah, or just drinking, you know, going out to the bars and, and going out to eat in one weekend, but that's okay because it was for food and entertainment but it's not okay to spend that same hundred dollars on your own health mm-hmm. for the month, yeah. sure. you know? So it, it, that's the other thing we have to fight. Well, and talk about diet too. Uh, you know, for those who don't know the, the CrossFit pyramid, the base, the, the widest, the, the building blocks is nutrition mm-hmm. and everything else. Like it's, it's frustrating. Like don't show up for the workout unless you have your nutrition on point or, or you're working on a good solid base diet, but we don't have Trader Joe's. We don't have yeah. whole foods. We don't have, everybody has a garden in uh-huh. their backyard here, but mm-hmm. it's only, you know, tomatoes and cucumbers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everybody's giving away their cucumbers cause they got too many, but so does my neighbor and so does my neighbor on the other side. So, um, talk a little bit about those frustrations. Yeah. Well, and that, and the education level of yeah. that again, too, um, the how do I want to say this? Um, a lack of resources is put towards educating um, about nutrition, especially in rural areas. You, rural areas by far have the the least nutritious um, 
people. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just healthy people. You have the highest chronic diseases by far in rural areas. And, and what's worse is it's the highest for children. Chronic diseases now children in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So your children are, are doing even worse. And so over the years, people are saying, well, the new, you know, the, we've, we've start talking to our kids about their health and stuff. Well, it's not hitting the rural areas mm-hmm. and our children are, are the repercussions of that. And then you, you do, you don't have the Trader Joe's, you don't have Whole Foods, you don't have it, anything. How do you push a healthy diet? Well, and I think we've said it well, like, I think in rural Kansas, we're overfed, but undernourished. Like we yeah. don't have those micronutrients that people get from eating fresh vegetables, fresh fruits. Like, yeah, we have cucumbers and stuff in our garden, but I think that there's more of a, a want to just grab the convenient foods that are ready for people to just Mm-hmm. grab and, and pop in the microwave or grab and go. And I think that, again, part of that is re-educating them on, like, no, you should be eating, you know, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruits, little starch, no sugar. Like, you should be eating lean proteins. And and I think that's just a hard conversation to have with someone because it's it's almost – it's kind of like that religion and politics thing. You don't want to talk to people about those things, but you know you need to yeah. at some point. Religion, politics, and nutrition. Yeah. yeah. And, truly, and, truly. Yes. And, and, I mean, we even we saw it with the members, too, of, you know, we suggest nutrition stuff, and they're like, I'm just here to work out. Leave me alone. Yeah. You or know. they say, you know, I'm here to work out and get a six-pack. And I'm like, no matter how hard you work out, your six-pack is determined by how you eat in yeah. the yeah. end. Yeah. It's all about your nutrition <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Yeah, um, we. I wanted to kind of circle back. We talked about CrossFit being dangerous. Um, so why did you think you could run this place, especially after you've had Rabdo? Because don't uh, <laughs> don't CrossFit and Rabdo kind of go together? And this oh. also kind of goes back to the. Um, <laughs> The Glassman thing, too, is he used to, like, have pukey on the wall or, or the, mm-hmm. oh, we weren't going to bring up clowns. Were no. we? uh, <laughs> the, uh, the clown, like, hooked up to the rhabdo machine. You know, he's, like, bragging about how dangerous this thing is. Like, that's probably not the, not what you want to see painted on the wall when you're a, I'm using air quotes, nobody can see me, uh, scared, <laughs> cross, scared person yeah. coming into a CrossFit gym. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I think that, you know, in with bad coaches and with people who are not willing to listen, CrossFit can be dangerous. But just, I mean, so can, you know, driving your car. Like, Let's explain what Rabdo is real quick. Okay, so. Um, R-H-A-B-D-O is kind of the um, the shortened term for it. For yeah, it. it's, it's rhabdomyolysis. Essentially what happens is you're, I had it exertionally, which means I just worked, overworked myself and my body couldn't flush it out. Your muscles tear to the point of it leaks into, um, your, blood system. into your bloodstream. It can get in and clog up your kidneys. You can go into renal failure and eventually die if you don't get help. Yeah. Um, when I had it, I, there is a compounding um, trickle effect that went into Well, there's a trickle effect that led up to that. It wasn't just the workout. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the workout really well. I thought I was going to win that one, and then your sister still beat me. Um, <laughs> it was, I was, had been really stressed. I hadn't been hydrating. I hadn't been eating well. I was underfed, overstressed, underhydrated, and then I jumped into a really hard workout on a day where I felt like I was going to be okay. And it was also really hot. It was mm-hmm. in... July, August, um, people don't understand how much temperature plays a role in injuries like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that all those things compounding on to, you know, 
this one workout that was the straw that broke the camel's back and it was the thing we talked about earlier of looking at a simple workout two yeah. movements mm-hmm. of things that we're good at that it wasn't very heavy we're like mm-hmm. this isn't going to be too great and then it just mm-hmm. and i remember the workout too because i was destroyed from it yeah. so I think, I think everybody was at the point where they couldn't really move their arms so i didn't think any, the workout was a 10 minute amrap of 10 sumo deadlift high pulls at 95 pounds for the guys, 65 for the women, and then 10 pull-ups. And you just went for 10 minutes. And I tried to game it to where I could get a round every minute and kept pace. And then something felt different. About round seven, I was like, yeah, my arms are a little pumped up. This is different. This isn't something that I normally feel at this point. Um, I just knew something was a little bit different then. And then I just finished the workout. And over the next two or three days like it got to the point where i couldn't extend my elbow all the way or lift my arms over my head and we got pretty i got more freaked out than i think becky did she was kind of like <laughs> give me that look like oh you'll be fine stop being a wimp we were making fun of him because we were playing game night and, or we were playing <laughs> games that night and he couldn't move his piece on the board he had like the t-rex arm going <laughs> and he couldn't eat like his sour patch kids yeah. and then that night we took him to the hospital I, so uh, it wasn't funny i went in i was like Guys, just take me to the ER. I'm like, if it's if it's nothing, that's great. At least my mind is set at ease. If it is something, I'd rather know. And I think we went in at like midnight. I went to the ER. I don't remember who the doctor was at that time. He goes, no, it doesn't look like it could be anything. Um, he goes, it looks like muscular restructuring. At that time, I was also working on my master's in movement and sports studies. I'm not stupid. Um, we've been educated on rhabdo in multiple we different certifications certain. and courses. And I... I knew it was something mm-hmm. different. And he goes, okay, well, we can run a urine test. Like, if there's anything wrong there, we can then check your blood. And I was like, let's just skip the urine, go straight to blood. And he goes, well, okay, if you want to. They came in, drew my blood. An hour later, we wait, wait in the waiting room until, in the room until, like, what, one thirty in the morning? Yeah, it was one thirty or so. He comes in, and he like he's in a little bit of a panic. He grabs my arms, feels them, looks at them, looks at the chart, and then comes back, and he goes, yeah, you need to be admitted right away. Um, <laughs> you have exertional rhabdomyolysis. So, Becky, are you guys engaged at the time? 2017, July. I don't uh, think so. We I don't were, think. We were dating We still. were dating. No, we okay. weren't engaged yet. No. No. But I went with him, and it was an interesting night of events. <laughs> she didn't think it was going to be Rabdo, and then lo and behold, and then she ended up texting Mel that night. It's like, yeah, we have to stay in the hospital. He's got Rabdo. Yeah. But I'll say, like, so we've had, like, each of us have, like, our own extreme kind of story. So Anthony holds the Rabdo card. Um, Becky, you know, um, came in with an eating disorder, and then I, I'm just, like, the injury girl. <laughs> Um, injured former athlete, <laughs> yeah, injured former athlete. And, but what I love about that is we were talking about it today. Actually, we were talking about being a gym owner and no, you and I were talking about it and having no concept of, you know, you've never experienced an eating disorder for your life. And now you're owning a gym. And I learned so much over the years of working with Becky. Um, and believe me at the beginning, I, did everything wrong, everything wrong. The way, you know, the way I talked, the way I approached the situation, anything and everything you could do wrong, I did wrong. But through those years, I learned so much and I come in with so much more confidence. Now, um, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, would this be a good place, um, to, you know, help whoever it is? Mm -hmm. Um, I would have no fear in that now because a, I've been 
scared. I know what it's like to be scared of it. And I know now how to approach and just be open with um, how to work with them. You know, he's been through Rabdo and we've uh, completely adjusted a lot of things around making sure that that doesn't ever occur again or what people should look for and focusing so much on hydration and nutrition um, to prevent some of that because it's a lot of those factors and stress. You know, mm. Are you coming to me on a very high-stress day and you're telling me you didn't drink anything at all? We're going to scale you, dude, because yeah. you're setting yourself up for rhabdo. And we know you're obviously wanting to hit a pain cave, and we're going to have to hold you back from it because of that. You know, and then with injuries, I'm always like, I want people to do this for the rest of their life. I don't, I don't ever want someone to say, well, I can't ever work out again because I have a bad back or I have a bad shoulder. No, you have to be able to work out no matter how bad your back or shoulders are. Um, you still have to be able to work out so that your, the rest of your body is healthy, especially your heart. Um, and so we are able to empathize in all of those situations. Um, and I just think about a, a new young gym owner who's just, you know, been healthy their whole life. How do they approach those situations? And I think that's a strong suit with our gym that we bring to it. I think it not only makes us better gym owners, but even just better coaches yeah. in the class. And even just having a world perspective, not just in the gym, but outside of the gym of like, I can relate a little bit of this to them mm -hmm. and how to really carry that over. Yeah, I think we all bring perspective from experiences. But I think another part of being a gym owner too is learning as you go too as in if I have someone who comes in and um, like let's say we hadn't dealt with someone who was pregnant yet learning like taking the time to educate ourselves on like what is best that they can do what scales can we do to help mm -hmm. them and then you get to use that later on when you have more people so it's also about deciding to take the time and put the effort in to learn about your members and what they need too yeah so. it's not that's not the situation that's not the time to fake it till you make it it's the time to be honest with that person and say, hey, you're going to actually be the first pregnant lady we're working with, but I'm going to do my darndest to find every ounce of information I can, um, and we're going to uh, you know, show you how we're going to work with you, and if you are comfortable with this, then we're going to go with this. It's just being very honest about the situations and saying we're going to learn as we go, or hey, I've actually got the, the knowledge to do this. Um, and, yeah, basically being humble with yourself in those circumstances and then learn as you go. I also kind of look at it from the aspect of, like, on the flip side. So if you are a world, like, you're looking to go to the Olympics and Olympic weightlifting, snatch and clean and jerk, right? You're not going to go to just some someone who's never snatch and clean and jerked at that level for any time in their life. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to someone who's been there. Mm -hmm. And the same, and, and the way I see it is, like, I would want to be in a gym where somebody has been injured but has worked through it. Somebody mm -hmm. who has had rabdo but has worked through it somebody who has been through these other experiences knowing that i'm going to be well taken care of and mm -hmm. i hope that a lot of people who do enter those gyms ask those questions mm -hmm. like what what has happened to you as a coach what injuries have you had and mm -hmm. how are you still working around this so that i can get there because mm -hmm. i think that that holds not just that person accountable to like making sure they listen to the coach but it holds the coach more accountable to being honest with their members and knowing how to be that professional that they need to be yeah, I know. I mean, Jill still gets messages about working out mm -hmm. when you're pregnant because oh, she's bet. done it mm -hmm. three times, you know, yeah. and, and we've got three awesome kids mm -hmm. as a result of it. And, um, you know, just what do I need to look out for and how do I be safe and, mm -hmm. and stuff. So and, and we use her as a resource. So at any time, you know, hit her up. Um, and, and me, too. I mean, mm -hmm. I got to 
I'm fortunate to be a coach around mm-hmm. my wife who's pregnant, you know, like, Hey honey, slow down. It's fine. <laughs> She's she got a baby in there, death look. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, and I'm just as guilty of this too, is uh, like mis misconceptions of coaching of, I can't coach that unless I can do it. And that, that's not true. Yeah, There's no. actually a famous one. I'm probably going to butcher her name. Um, you can look her up on Instagram, Steph, I think the hammer or something like that. She's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and she's a CrossFit coach. And mm-hmm. actually she's one of the best double under coaches ever. And if you wheeled her into the room and said, this girl's going to teach you how to get your double unders, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure the whole class would laugh or be like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? How is she going to do that? She can't show me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, I think it was at my L2 and they're like, Oh, if you need your, your double unders fixed, give hit her up. Mm-hmm. She'll, she'll fix them for you. And you're like, no way. That's just crazy. But like you said, being through some of those experiences and stuff like that, even if you didn't personally go through them, mm-hmm. um, you can use them. To help people. Well, even like at my L1 um, at CrossFit Roots, I remember I was in another group with working with Dave Lipson, and I heard Kevin Ogar over in his group. He's like, all right, guys, let's just go ahead and get the funny thing out of the way. They put the guy in the wheelchair to teach you how to squat. I'm like, (laughs) just because he's in a wheelchair doesn't mean he doesn't have a great eye on how to teach you Mm -hmm. a movement. You know, I think that a good coach, you may not be able to do the movement, but if you can see what's going wrong and then you can even – verbalize it to that athlete and make sense in their heads to where it makes sense in their heads, then you're doing your job as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about using the right cues, but also making that connection. Everyone learns so differently that, um, I think we all have coaches that like for me, Maddie was one that she could always give me the cues that I needed that clicked with me. Whereas like Mel, <laughs> Mel and I just right do cue. not think the same. We don't use the do right cues. Better. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think a big part of that is working really hard to get to know, who your athletes are and making that connection with them. Mm-hmm. Mel said something earlier um, that I had a, a buddy one time. We were out drinking beers or whatever, and he, we were talking about CrossFit. And he asked me, "He's like, so, when, at, like, what age do you think you're going to stop doing CrossFit?" Mm-hmm. And I just kind of looked at him like, um, "I don't understand the question." Like, first of all, like maybe you don't understand the methodology, but like anything and everything is CrossFit, but. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see myself quitting. Well, that's when you just look at him and you go, have you met my dad? I mean, yeah. shoot, how long has he been doing this? Seven years and he's still crushing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, like for me, uh, getting that Legends program started, that was a big thing for me because I saw how CrossFit had changed Becky and I's life and um, I wanted that for my parents. I wanted them to feel the way that we were feeling. And my mom was petrified to go into a gym. You know, she grew up in an era where girls didn't weightlift a, but they'd never were, you know, you were just told not to go into a gym. Um, and to be able to take, you know, these 60 year old parents that my mom has two total knees, type two diabetes, you know, um, just, multiple chronic things that that were wrong with her and to be able to get her in a gym setting and teach her how to get off of a box you know how do you stand up on your own because she couldn't get out of chairs on her own anymore she couldn't definitely couldn't get off the floor by herself Mm -hmm. um and now you know come three years into this she's been doing it for three years now and the other day she fell and was able to get right back up Mm -hmm. you know and that was huge because three years ago that could have put her in a hospital 
and now she she fell twice in the same day actually and was able to get herself up both times by herself um and that's what crossfit at the end of the day means to me well we used to we used to say like we're harder to kill mm-hmm. but literally like you did that with your mom yeah. and that's amazing yeah. and and it's not a i mean it's not a huge deal but it is mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. and I, there's just so many stories out there of, of elite level CrossFitters that are in like car accidents and you know, yeah. the, they pull them out of the car and they're like, you, you survive that. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're like, Oh yeah, don't worry. I'll be back in the gym in six <laughs> weeks or whatever. No big <laughs> right. deal. You know? And there's just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Breaking his back on his bike and ran, uh, no, no, um, it was, uh, I don't remember who I don't know, but he, he broke his back, and he did an Ironman three weeks later. Wow. You know, he broke three vertebrae. But, yeah, you just you give yourself the, uh, the structure and support that you need by, you know, building muscle um, that for the rest of your life you can take care of yourself, essentially, or for a much, much, much longer time you do. And, uh, you know, I, I keep, I always tell my legends, I was like, don't listen to that statistic. If you're listening to a physician telling you, you can't gain muscle after the age of 60, I've just proven this wrong to you because Mm -hmm. within a year you started lifting at this and can you lift more? Yeah. Guess what? You gain muscle, you know, and they didn't believe that they were told from here on strength training is, is, is useless. You can't gain muscle anymore. Whatever you have is what you have. And it's like, no, you might gain it a lot slower than a 30 year old male, and you might lose it a lot faster if you don't keep up moving. with it, but you can definitely strengthen yourself. Well, and, and that's a, a whole nother, you know, topic we can dive down. Yeah. But I, I mean, wait till you guys have kids. But when we first took Sperry in to the doctor, a, a lot of the questions they ask you is, you know, how much water do they drink? How much mm-hmm. milk do they drink? How much vegetables do they get? How much cere- How many grains do they get? And we're like, none. And they're like, they just stop and like, look at you like, why not? And we're like, no, we don't feed them cereal. Like they get carbs from their vegetables and their fruit and stuff. And they're just like zero. <laughs> and then the doctor, you know, and that was like the nurse, you know, and then the doctor comes in. They're like, we got to talk about this cereal thing. I'm like, no, we don't like they're fine. Check their ears, check their nose, whatever you do. But mm-hmm. like, they're not eating cereal. Sorry. You know, but it's just yeah. kind of an, and I don't know if that's from where we live mm-hmm. or why the doctors insist that they have and i mean they would like coach us you can get this rice cereal that they can like drink they don't have to chew it up i'm like that's not the issue mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's just i think and i think we're just part of those people are in that area of like or grew up in that era of you know cereal was just a staple in their foods or those grains were something that were huge in their in their diet it's and, the affordability yeah it's the affordability and the fact that that we're the ones that that you know, we harvest that stuff mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you couldn't afford vegetables and we couldn't grow the vegetables that we get here now. Back in the day, you physically just uh, shipment and trucking and, and, you know, transportation was not where it was. So those vegetables that we can have now definitely didn't exist then. So it was down to meats, potatoes and grains. Those are the ones that we could grow. Yeah. But so gone, we're so beyond that. And yet we still stick to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the veggies are here now, peoples. <laughs> Um, let's talk about coaching. Um, I, I always saw that as like the central part of the gym after interviewing some of the members and stuff, 
they didn't see it as important as like the community aspect of it. But I, I loved coaching. Um, I always thought that was really cool, but we're going to start with like, what's your most frustrating part of coaching? We're going to do the good stuff later, but, um, for me, it was, it was the, the, the full aspect of, I, I enjoyed coaching movement and stuff like that, but then you mentioned diet and they just switch off. And that was kind of frustrating for me. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think is the most frustrating part about coaching? Just one. Um, <laughs> you can pick more than one. No, I legitimately though, I do love coaching. I think just a couple points that I sometimes get frustrated with is people wanting to treat the methodology as a sprint meaning like people want really quickly to do just the rx and they don't care what the process is they don't care what like what it's going to take they will they just want to get i want to do x i want to do bar muscle ups i want to do this and it's like well let's build a prerequisite strength to get you there you know i i always tell not just our athletes but even my own personal training clients let's play the long game like i know you want to get to that that ring muscle up but right now we need to work on strict pull-ups so we can make that transition and people just kind of turn that off when you say i know you want to get there but let's do this first and they're like no i want to do this they kind of want to skip step b c and d and go straight from a to a to e you know it's it's i think that's kind of frustrating um but once I've learned to communicate with that with them more, like as to why, then it's a little bit, it's not near as frustrating. Um, I think that, yeah, that's probably the biggest one for me is them just not wanting to really to take their time and understand that it's, it's more lo- longevity, not just the here and now. I think that'd be the same kind of with, um, with programming too, is everybody like, they like the the movements they like to do, mm-hmm. you know, and then they want to cherry pick or sandbag the other yes. stuff they don't like to do, or they skip those days. Mm-hmm. And I, I always thought that was frustrating. Like, hey, I didn't see you yesterday, and they're like, oh, I was running. I don't want to run. Or 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 even like, I think one of this is probably tops the other one, but people wanting to just do the workout as it's written, even though they they're missing the entire stimulus of the workout. Like, I don't care if you can do. 21 jumping pull-ups like you need to be able to do these unbroken. in a certain way like either unbroken or, or small or big sets so that we can actually get you the stimulus you're wanting to make the changes you need or you're, that you're wanting you know i think that that's something that we are starting to get people to understand quite a bit more at our gym and it's i think by letting our members know earlier on like as you're talking to them mm-hmm. about at the whiteboard about here's what the workout is here's your goal with it we've then started to just by changing that that verbiage that goes on we've help them understand that it's more of a I need to be able to do this so that otherwise I've got to change the movement or scale it or something and scaling isn't a bad thing is if it's getting us the the stimulus and the the intensity we're wanting for that day yeah um my I think the thing that if anything frustrates me with coaching is when I I know that somebody has the potential to do the higher dumbbell or to do um, the movement, but it leads to my favorite part of coaching, which is the day that they um, get that courage to then try it and they succeed. So, um, you know, the least favorite part is when you have to kind of sit back, let them take their time, you know, go through that journey, but, you know, then it's rewarding when they do end up hitting it later, so... 
Yeah, I would say my biggest frustration, um, and it's probably a mixture of both of your guys's, but it's I always try to emphasize quality over quantity, which can sometimes conflict with CrossFit, but it really doesn't conflict with CrossFit. You know, CrossFit gives a specific stimulus uh, for each workout, depending, you know, whether whether it's an anaerobic stimulus, whether they're wanting a short workout, a long workout, moderate workout, et cetera. Um, And depending on that stimulus depends on the quality of that movement. The quality should always be good before the amount that you can do or how quickly you should do. If, if your squat is just terrible, you know, use the scale that I'm giving you. You will still hit at the speed that you do, but now you're going to do 21 really good squats instead of 21 really bad squats that are going to make you not be able to walk tomorrow. Um, and eventually we're going to lower that box. We're going to lower it and we're going to lower it until you can do those 21 squats at that same, spa- at that same pace but now it's 21 good ones. Um, so, yeah, quality over quantity is probably the biggest fight I have with um, our members in our gym is just to get them to always tell that to themselves um, because your competitiveness can always come out, um, which is okay too, but then it, that's why we're here to, you know, rein them in on that and remind them you still want to be able to walk tomorrow. <laughs> so now the favorite part um, We've done enough bitching about the the bad part of coaching, but um, I'll start. One of the things I miss about coaching, or my, my favorite thing, was like a snatch or a clean and jerk that's very technical mm. and fixing that like one little thing. Yeah. And then when they do that, and then they drop the bar, and their eyes are big, and they're like, "I did it!" It felt so much easier. It, that's so fun. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I agree. Like that aha moment, even for like some of our. I, I learned this at my L two. The Newer movers, they have, and I'm not bashing them, but they have more that they can, you can work on to fix. But some of our better movers, especially people like that have been here forever, like yourself, like Josh, like Jill, um, even us in this room, we've been doing it for so long that we've got a decent movement. We've got really good mechanics and we're consistent with them. But finding that one little trick that can make it just that 1% better, um, I think that because then even those, those higher level athletes, you have to pay more attention to them. And they're still getting that that same coaching because I think there, there's a, a, a saying that some people that circulate circulates often is like, oh, yeah, people have said, I've tried CrossFit, but after you've been there for like a year, you don't get coached as much. Like, no, my the thing that I love doing is finding those who are overlooked because they move well and helping them move that much better. Um, I think that's one of my favorite parts of coaching. Yeah, and I'd say it's definitely a strong suit of yours for sure. I guess you did serious. Uh, I'm, I guess just to reiterate the aha moment, there's nothing better than, uh, you know, somebody getting their first pull up or, um, yeah, so especially somebody like hitting their first snatch, just uh, anything that's a little bit intricate um, or something like from a girl standpoint, like a pull up. That's our big one because as a girl, you know, you don't do pull ups, girls aren't good at pull ups. And so that's always like the big one here. And to be able to see, it's almost like their self-confidence just skyrockets. skyrockets. I am a girl and I can now do a pull-up. I I mean, it's like you just, and it was all them. They did it all. But you just gave them the world now, you know. Nothing can stop them now. That's the best. Well, and physical movements aside too, as a coach, you know, you're – 
um, trying to help with their overall health, right? So it's also when a member comes to you and says, hey, I switched my soda for seltzer waters. And you're like, hey, that's huge. And they're so excited. Like, this is a big change for me. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I've been working really hard at getting a sleep routine and I've actually slept this week really well, you know? So, you know, as a coach, those are exciting moments too, just to get to see like the lifestyle changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, people miss out on so much about the CrossFit gym is because it is so all inclusive. It's not, it's not just a gym. It, it's a community, but it's also, we're going to talk to you about your diet. We're going to talk to you about your sleep and your stress and, oh yeah, we're going to do a workout too. But Mm -hmm. I think that's something that you don't get until you've been around a while or you don't get until you're a coach that you're like, Oh, we do way more than just work out here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that one thing I've I've learned with some of our newest members is they've they've told us time and time again, like I was so intimidated to walk in here for the first time, but now that they've been back, even for me, like that's a that's another big part of coaching is seeing them come back the next day and knowing like we did something to get them to come back. Like that is a big moment because a lot of people come in, they get intimidated, they get scared, and then they don't think they want to come back but when they finally do you're like that is we're gonna keep you here like, well yeah if you show up day two you're thing. locked yeah it's it's that i think is another really exciting point for me i know you told me not to bring up father jay but he said that he <laughs> was intimidated yeah, and sure. what's funny is he's so outgoing and so i mean he's a He's a Catholic priest who mm-hmm. stands in front of a huge congregation multiple times a week yeah. to drop huge knowledge bombs about the faith and he's scared to come to a CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. He said he's even scared. He, he's a CrossFitter. He knows the movements, but to go to a new gym, he's scared yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's funny to me. And I mean, now that I'm a CrossFitter, actually, this is kind of a funny story for a long time. I wouldn't call myself a CrossFitter until we had a CrossFit gym like to go to <laughs> mm-hmm. because we did CrossFit for a while, but I'm like, I'm, it's kind of like, there's a, a thing like I won't wear a cowboy hat because I'm not a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if a cowboy gives me a hat to wear saying, like, I earned it, then I'll wear it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's, it's kind of analogy. that same yeah. analogy there. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys say to the excuses? Because that's, oh, hey, you should come try. Co- oh, I can't. I can't. I, I have bad knees. I can't do a pull-up. I can't do CrossFit. Mm-hmm. So what do you, how do you get them through the, just to walk in? Well, you bring up the you response bring, I was expecting. You, you, crickets, because it's so hard. It is hard, but you, you think for a second. You just say, "Someone says, I can't squat. I've got bad knees," and you immediately just say, "Do you get Show off the toilet? Squat. Like, can yeah. you sit down and up from a toilet? Yeah, you can, you can squat. squat. And in fact, we can make it so that that's not so difficult, especially if it is difficult for you. Um, you know, uh, I, can you pick your groceries up? And if you can't. If you can, A, that's a deadlift. And if you're, again, I'll go back. If your physician is telling you never to deadlift ever again, you have a bad back, don't ever deadlift. No, because that makes no sense. You have to be able to get your groceries off. And that's where I always go. It's always the building blocks. Like if they're saying, no, I can't ever deadlift and I have a bad back. And I'm like, welcome to the club, first of all. And secondly, you've still got to be able to get your bags off. So, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to deadlift. But we can teach you how to deadlift for the, and do it for the rest of your life mm-hmm. pain-free, hopefully. Yeah. I think another one I hear often is I have to be in shape before I go there. 
Yeah. And and I think if you had to be in shape, if you were going to get in shape to go to CrossFit, like don't lie to yourself. You would have gotten in shape a long time ago if you were going to get there. This is a place where we're going to help you get there. Number one. Number two, it's like that's like saying I would I want to learn to play, I want to play I want to learn to play the guitar before I take guitar lessons. Like why would you Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, in my opinion. That's a good analogy. And I guess I, I want to tell those people, like, bring your fittest friend with you and they will still die Absolutely. as well. Because there's no such thing as being in CrossFit shape mm-hmm. to start CrossFit. Yeah. I mean, I know I this happened to me every year in high school when I would go from playing football to playing basketball and I would die mm-hmm. doing basketball sw- sprints. But I thought I was in shape from playing football mm-hmm. and wearing pads. I'm not wearing pads anymore, and I'm still really tired. Mm-hmm. Why? But it's a different in shape. You know. I mean, we and we've heard that multiple times. We've got several of our members are former athletes, college athletes. I mean, Mel was D1 in volleyball. We've got a couple who played basketball or football or track, and and they say now they're like, I I am in better shape now than I was in collegiate sports. Because it's a different yeah. kind of shape. It's not just a, I'm going to run as fast as I can down around this track one time. It's, I have to run around the block, which is 400 meters, and then I have to do as many squats as I can at my body weight. Like, I never would have been able to do that in college. So, Yeah, I've, I've spoke with a lot of the collegiate athletes that have come through here, too. But not only that, but um, I, I believe it was even Stacey Tovar. She had said she played for Nebraska Volleyball, which is, you know, especially at That's that time, was program. one of the highest level programs. And... We, it was just funny because Maddie and I were talking about it, and and we both said, if only I could have crossfitted while I was doing college volleyball, where I would have been. And then to hear her say the same thing, if only I would have been crossfitting, I could have been an even better Nebraska volleyball player. And oh, yeah. it's true, there is something to that methodology. Well, and we've even I've had several conversations with Ryan and even yourself about this talk, like. Had I found CrossFit before, like while I was in high school or even junior high, I guarantee you I would have been even a high, better high school athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, just the demand of the agility, the the coordination, the speed, the strength, like everything you get in a CrossFit program is going to carry over well to your sport. Um, I think m- multiple of our, I've definitely spoken to two of them who have said like if they would have had it in high school, they would have been a much better college athlete as well. Mm-hmm. So... Don't delay. Get in. A um, couple of quick draw questions. So uh, the question is going to be kind of long, but you can give a quick answer or, or a long one, whatever you want to do. Um, what's one relatively inexpensive experience you think everybody should try at least once? And you can't say come to the free class on Friday, on Saturday um, because that's Well, it doesn't free. exist anymore because of, <laughs> of COVID. That doesn't right. even exist for our gym anymore. <laughs> Um, mine's pretty easy. I would say get up and watch a sunrise. Like get up when it's pitch black and sit there and watch the sunrise and just see how that happens, how it goes from a dark, like black blue to a purple to a like all different colors and then fades into the blue and white that we see every day. I think that living in Kansas, we have one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best places to watch a sunrise. I would say mine's pretty similar. Um, grab whatever warm drink you like. For me, that's coffee. Sit on a porch or somewhere while it's raining, and it's just a different experience. It just, to me, it helps me connect and realize again, like there's more going on here. Like it's raining, and you know, 
whatever you would believe is what's controlling that and it's outside of you know human ability so just to get that connection with nature and that beauty um i'd say for me it would be grab a group of friends or your family and just play a game free game pull out cards go out and play spike ball um you know play knockout definitely not settlers (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) not settlers but um the best conversations come during those times and you know their lifelong memories Mm -hmm. that's cool um books are there any books you've read multiple times? Are there books that you are recommending or giving to people? They say you got to read this. Um, audiobooks count. Um, anything hmm. on the top of your mind? We got a book shelf over here, but yeah. <laughs> hmm. We can I come think, back to it later too. I think one of my favorite books, and I've read it multiple times, and this is just one to help you as a person develop. Would be it's called Next Generation Leader by Andy Stanley. Um, it gives a lot of really good concepts on what it means to be a leader, not just like being the one who's out front taking charge, but more so like how do you yourself develop as a leader? Um, it's, it's mainly geared toward, I mean, not geared towards, but Andy Stanley is a pastor. Um, so it comes at it from that perspective, but that's definitely one I recommend when it comes to just self-development. Uh, I actually have, um, it's two books. It's the same experience, but it's written from both people, from each of their um time being imprisoned it was uh laura ling and unilee they were both imprisoned in north korea the two american journalists and um i listened to laura ling's audio book first and lisa ling i guess she's she's the other half so then you get to honestly see it from three people's perspectives but you go through the story and you're like oh man and then you hear it from unilee and her take is completely different and I just thought that that was the most amazing thing. But also I loved that, um, you know, it talks, it, they talk about how do you fight through depression? Um, how do you, you know, hit that rock bottom and still find a way and find light at the end of the tunnel, find a way to smile out of it? Um, and then how do you find love from people that we are told hate us and, and, and despise us and yet actually still had so much love and showed so much love towards them too? So it was kind of cool. Thanks. I, uh, I've been reading lots of college books lately, so <laughs> not much leisure. Um, so I don't really have one for this. <laughs> no, no, I've got another one. It's uh, A Long Way Gone by Ishmael Beya. It's a guy, about a guy who, it's his autobiography of being a child soldier in Sierra Leone, Africa. And it talks about what happened from day one of being abandoned or being separated from his family and his entire journey of like what that looks like. And if you want a world perspective of what people go through mm-hmm. in different countries, I think that's a really good one. I read it in a day and it's like 150 pages. Um, it's, it's really eye opening just to know that there are people out there that no matter how bad your situation can be, I know that it's going to be bad for you, but there are other people out there who are struggling just as much, if not sometimes more so. Um, so it really gives me that perspective of this is bad for me now, but I know that there is someone else who I've read about who has had a worse experience than yeah. I do right now. It could always be worse. <laughs> could always be worse. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. Books. And my two books are somewhere inside and the world is bigger now. Cool. Yeah. Don't worry, Becky. Um, I, if you haven't listened to Maddie's podcast, I was like, how do you read so many books? And her answer is like, I don't have kids. And for you, like don't have college, you know? So yeah. that just, it's a time suck. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's cause I was jealous. I'd love to be able to do all those, have those experiences and stuff. But I, 
um, realized that I need to get into audiobooks now because I spend a lot of time on the road, and that would just I can consume more rather than sitting down and reading it. Um, before I get into that next question, I wanted I made a note to ask you about your tattoo on your ribs. You only have two, right? I have two. Girls, you two don't have any ribs. tattoos? I have one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys all have tattoos. We've got to ask about all the tattoos. Yeah, absolutely. I have three. Um, one of my right wrist is a cross that I got. Um, my Aunt Sarah paid for it when I was in um, Salt Lake City. On my left side, I have infragilis, which is Latin for unbreakable or strong. And then on my other side, I have quam vidiri, which means to be rather than to appear. Um, and those are just my reminders of, like, who God is in my life. Um, I got the first one when I was a freshman in college, obviously, when you move away and from your par- your friends and family and parents, and you kind of do what you want. But um, that just continues to remind me of, like, you're, like no matter who what people say about God, he is unbreakable and he's going to be the one that continues to get me through things. And then again, just the promises that he has with the other tattoo being, you know, to be rather than to appear, God is who he says he is. If he is, you know, if he, you look into the Bible and you see that he is a loving father, he is the savior, he is, um, a leader, or for some people, he is the only father that they've known. Um, he is who he says he is. And so those are just my own little reminders of like, being faithful to know that God is who he says he is. Becky, tattoos? Yeah, so I have a cross that then turns into the word faith down my spine. Um, One of my friends, when she was at college, wanted to go get tattoos with me, and so, you know, I had to choose something. And for me, (laughs) our mom always instilled in our brains that if you get a tattoo, remember, it'll stay with you forever, and you want it to be something that you want to always stay with you. So I knew for me faith is important, and that uh, that's always a good reminder for me too. Oh, yeah, so the faith written on the spine turns into mountains at the end. Um, Eventually, we'll get some snow caps on there. I've been told that'll be the next little deal. Um, Because to me, you know, that verse of faith moves mountains is a good reminder, too. Good luck. It's hard getting an appointment right now, so. I just have a tattoo of a cross on my foot, and um, I did that when I was a senior in high school. Um, a group of, we all wanted to do something that was like a little bit permanent to, you know, understand that this is, you know, uh, from here on our, our friendship paths are going to go different ways, but I wanted to take the opportunity to, um, you know, put the one symbol that I always like to have on me and usually I wear it in a necklace form, but I always thought to myself one day, what if that necklace is stripped from me? You know, I still want to be able to have somewhere on my body that I can look at it and remind me, you know. But Jesus in my life, that God is the most important. And if someone wants to try to strip that away from me, they can't now. Like, I always have somewhere to look and be reminded. Unless That's they awesome. cut my foot unless off. Unless they take your foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> then you don't, they need to cut that person out of your life. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the author Tozer? T-O-Z-E-R? I have, yeah. Yeah. W. Tozer. Yeah. Um, you might check out his books. Um, they're very deep. It took me forever just to make it through the first one, but, um, you're right. That's who I was wanting you to know. Um, morning, uh, rituals, any morning rituals? Make my bed. Mm, I think that that is, I know I get an, an eye roll from my wife when I say that, but for me, that's just something that kind of starts the day. 
um, with a win, that's an easy way. Like the rest of your day can go, if it goes to crap, like, you know, I at least made my bed this morning. I started with a win. Um, I think that that's one thing that I love to do is get up and just make the bed right away. What if she's still in it? Well, it's going to get made with her in it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah, no, that one's not as important to me. But for me, it's having a little bit of quiet time in the morning just to get, you know, to wake up, to wrap my head around, to think through, like, this is what I have today. This is, um, you know, and I always say a prayer in the morning, too, just to get my day started, you know, get in check, you know, ask that throughout the day that I encounter what I'm supposed to and that I help where I can and um, do the best I can for that day. So, I do the make the bed thing too. That's a really important thing to me. It really bothers me on a random day, if it ever happens, where I don't get my bed made. When I go back that night, that's probably when it bothers me the most. I've seen Mel like make, make her bed, bed before, and then yeah. go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, it is. It's like you have that win for the day. Um, you know, it's like that final point, like bed's made, time to go, seize the day. Um, do you guys eat breakfast? Yes. Yeah. I would be so grumpy if I didn't. <laughs> I do eat breakfast, yeah. yeah. And coffee? Yes. How do you take your coffee? By the pot. <laughs> Black or with collagen. Sounds good. Um, how about evening or before bed rituals? Do you anything other than brush your teeth, normal stuff? Is there anything that you do every night before bed? Not really. I think my routine is pretty the same. I, I get some people can get away with it, and I, I I cannot. I mean, I I have to shower before I go to bed, but that's about it. Yeah, nothing special. Mine's unhealthy. I cannot go to sleep unless the TV or my at least my cell phone is playing an episode of something. I think that's just growing up in a, a, a you know a house of six kids. I need noise to fall asleep. If it's perfectly quiet in the room, I cannot fall asleep. So I have a very unhealthy ritual. <laughs> Do you have a sound machine? No, it's got to be talking. Like, it's got to be talking. Okay. Uh, Jill uh, used to have a radio on in her room, like, when we were dating in high school. Like, you come in a, a dark room where shouldn't be anybody in there, and you hear voices from the radio. You're like, <laughs> who's in here? It's like, no, it's just the radio. But, yeah, she always had a radio playing. Uh, do you have any quotes, sayings, mantras that you keep on the top of your mind? I, know, I think we kind of touched on it earlier. One of mine is always, it could be worse. Um, I know that's kind of a, it sounds like a, a, a little thing that's not that important or kind of like a joke, but I think that no matter the situation, you, you can almost always think of something that could be, make that one situation worse. You know? I know for me, one that I always keep in my back pocket, and I have since I was really younger, I even did a painting of it in high school, but... It's that not to try to rush through the rainstorm, but to take time to dance in the rain. I just think that sometimes we look at things like a rainstorm as inconvenient when really it's kind of its own beauty and uh, it might be trying to take you down a different path you're supposed to be following that day. You know? Yeah, I wanted to make sure I, I read it right, but... Um Mother Teresa was a big inspiration in, when I was growing up. Um, and one of her quotes, she has a million that are great, but the one that I love, probably one of the best, is if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. And I take that very seriously every day. Like, if I can't change 100 people's lives today, I'm going to go out and try to at least fix one. Yeah, that was something I remember. I loved 
coaching like those fundamentals class for a long time. We did like a free fundamentals on Saturday morning and it, it frustrated me cause like nobody would sign up after it and stuff like that. But then I was like, I taught him to squat today and, and like at least I did that one thing that hopefully they, they take it through their life and they still squat amazingly, but who knows? Um, <laughs> Any other like podcasts, books, uh, blogs, anything else that people should follow that that you think are amazing? Uh, Pursuing health, Julie Fouché. I love that podcast. Um, I and especially now what she's done with it. um, She's eliminated all um, commercial. um, Oh, my brain's not working anymore. Anyways. she she's taking no money from any sponsorships et cetera to keep it completely unbiased um but you know she questions everything with health um she's a physician with uh she just you know graduated from cleveland clinic one of the top programs in the nation and i just love her podcast uh it makes you think twice about how the whole healthcare system is set up um i would say one that i like to listen to is she's the girl from um Jamal, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, not the quiet place. Yeah, the good place. Um, and she has a podcast called I Weigh, and it is about um, interviewing other celebrities about um, you know their lives, their struggles, their body image, and then at the end she asks like, "What do you weigh?" And they say like, "I weigh being a mother," or like, "I weigh being a sister." So all the things that are like qualities about them instead. So it's pretty good. Um, I actually have two. One is um, Andy Stanley's podcast. He's got a couple, but one of them was Your Move. He talked a lot about different leadership styles, things like that. And then the, a big one that I like is Ben Bergeron's Chasing Excellence. Um, I think that he does a really good job of touching not only on fitness, but like what it looks like as a person to become a better person and to chase excellence in your life no matter what that is, whether it's being a dad, whether it's being mm-hmm. a brother, a son, a, a coach, you know, whatever, a businessman, whatever that looks like. He just talks about some really good principles there to help move you forward in that. Cool. There's one thing that I wanted to talk to Mel about, um, and that was Go Ruck. We got to do oh, that yeah. together, <laughs> and um, that was a that was a crazy class. I'm wondering when we're gonna maybe do host one here <laughs> or right. uh, do it again or take these guys along with us. Um, Go Ruck is is really a crazy experience. I think that we kind of scared a lot of our members with the competition <laughs> ruck. Um, hopefully they don't think it's the same thing. It's totally but. different. But, yeah, there's actually been a lot of talk about that. Uh, the cool thing about a go ruck, what I'll say is, like, I, to me, I, it's, its sole purpose is to uh, mentally challenge you. You get physically challenged, but the question is just, are you going to quit? You know, and so, you, and, and you, you know, there's a time in the middle of the night. I remember you know, we started at what, 12 o'clock at night, went till 10 in the morning or something like that. And we were sitting on the steps of some monument taking a break. It was like three in the morning. And I was just like, I paid to do this. Like what is wrong with me? But then, you know, you get done and you finish it and you look back at it and you're like, that was so mentally draining. But now I know I have an even better mental capacity. I feel like our members say that to us all the time. Yeah, CrossFit. That yeah, that's probably what Go Rec and CrossFit. You see a lot of CrossFitters doing it because it's such a, um, you know, you're building your mental capacity when you're working out at the high intensities we do, and then the same thing with Go Rec. Yeah, I remember the one of the first classes I did. They 
made fun of us CrossFitters so much. And then afterwards, I'm like, this whole class is made up of CrossFitters. And, like, they're just, that's their, like, um, sense of humor, I Mm -hmm. guess, coming out. But, yeah, it was just, it was a little frustrating to be made fun of, but know that they do CrossFit, too. Mm -hmm. The the very people (laughs) making fun of you for doing it. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. Anything else uh, that you all want to add before we wrap this up? I got one more question before we go. I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I would like to say one thing. Um, when it comes to CrossFit, the way to do CrossFit is it's, you know, it's a community. And if you're nervous about doing it, bring in a buddy. But more so than that, bring in your family, you know, make this a, a lifestyle change with your whole family. You know, that is what our experience out of this is, is it compl- It changed my life. And then it changed both our lives and it changed all of our lives. But then on top of it, then my parents got involved and all of my siblings and now my nieces and nephews, and it's just trickling down. And though we're not perfect and no, our nutrition is not always perfect and no, we don't always hit the workouts. We are striving to be better. And, and it all started with that gym. And so if that's what you're looking for for your family, this is the, the community that can help you with that. Awesome. You get to go first then because you kind of already just answered it. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, or you can pass. Honestly, I just want, at the end of the day, I want to help as many people as I possibly can. I want to change their lives and I want them just to feel the best that they possibly can um, mentally, physically, internally. Um, I don't ever want a person sitting there regretting that they feel weak or that they wish they would have exercised so they could have played with their kids and et cetera. I want to be the person that prevents that from ever happening for them. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Mel on that. I think, um, you know, health has so many different aspects when you look at the socialization and the physical and the mental. And I think that, um, to be able to help, create um just that environment but also trying to make a movement towards not even just crossfit gyms but like as a country Mm -hmm. that we eventually get to the point where health is a priority and you know um to the point where maybe people are actually helping you pay to be able to take care of your health and it's a priority for jobs or for you know i just think it gets put on that low level so often and so to be a part of hopefully you know a generation where we help them realize they can be more productive and they can be better people and be better even for their families if they can get that figured out, get their health and everything figured out. So to get to be a part of that movement. Oh, that's a tough question. But yeah, I I would even kind of piggyback off of what they said, but don't just, I'd say like, if you're going to do it, commit to it. I think that we live in, in an era right now where people are so hit or miss or they can be real. It's easy for them to, to, use something as a cop-out or to be a little bit flaky, um, especially in the world of like social media and Snapchat and all this, these other things, there's no commitment. Um, I want to be someone who's known as like, my legacy would be to whatever I've tried, I've committed to and not just flaked off on it. You know, I, even when we have kids, I want to, I want to instill that in them. Like if you're going to do this, I want you to commit to it and not do it for a day and then decide, Oh no, it's, it's not what I was really wanting to. It's like, no, make your, make a decision here. And stick with it. And I think I tell that to some of our members whenever they're kind of on that line of like what I want to do this weight today, but I want to have these 
fives or these tens right here just in case I can't do it. Yeah. I want to I take away that just in case and say commit to it because even if you don't do as well as you want or let's say you get time capped or let's say that you get a less like one less round, commit to your decision there and and move forward with it no matter what happens. Let's end it on that. Thanks yeah. so much, guys. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Zach.